My goal is to create a space that is only done once and they have it. I, I don't repeat things because from an inspiration perspective, why would I do the same formula again and again? The excitement is to do something unique, cool, creative, um, something that tells me about them, their background, their heritage, their life story in their space. And that is unique to every single person, just like your own fingerprints are. No two people have the same story, no matter what. Hi, I'm Caitlin Peterson, the Editor-in-Chief of Business of Home. Welcome to Trade Tales. In every episode, I'll be talking to interior designers about nurturing creativity, finding their firm's financial footing, setting goals, and discovering their own version of success as a result. My guest today is a designer who had her creative dreams sidelined for years by visa issues. Now, she's established herself in the industry, and her clients have embraced her unique, personalized approach that folds their stories into each and every project. I can't wait to share it with you. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. Planning to attend High Point Market? Make Universal your market home with amenities like the Designer's Lounge and the Learning Center. Discover more from Universal on Instagram, where you can share your work, discover new products and partners, and get inspired by Universal's speakers and services for its interior design clients at market and throughout the year. Find Universal on Instagram at Universal Fern. That's at Universal, F-U-R-N. This podcast is also sponsored by Curry & Company, the producer of beautiful residential and contract lighting, in-stock case goods and upholstery, and a broad range of statement-making accessories. Atlanta-based and second-generation family-owned, Curry is committed to being a designer's best friend. The company achieves just that through a constant investment in authentic designs, superior customer service, fast shipping, and by keeping its offerings in stock. Curry's collections include partnerships with Bunny Williams, Sasha Bykoff, Barry Goralnik, Aviva Stanhoff, Marjorie Skouris, and more, as well as countless pieces from its own in-house design team. Visit Curry's trade-only showrooms in High Point, Atlanta, Dallas, Las Vegas, and New York to experience the broad range of designs, each meticulously handcrafted by artisans around the world. Or visit curryandcompany.com to shop the entire line, request a catalog, and tour the virtual showroom. I am born and raised in Kuwait, in the Middle East, to an Indian immigrant family. You know, you're born and raised in the Indian family. You know, you grew up with the whole set of frame of, you know, where it's you are either going to be a doctor or a lawyer, the, the most bankable careers. And so my path was business. And in the Middle East at that time, there weren't that many university opportunities uh, close by. So you would have to leave uh, Kuwait anyway. So either we would have to go to India or the UK or Australia or USA, wherever it is, we'd have to figure out what our path was. Majority of the times, most of, you know, in my case especially, and even a lot of my friends, we ended up in cities we had never been to. I went to SUNY Buffalo, New York for business administration. That's what I did. So I went from the hot heat deserts of the Middle East to the coldest possible city in the U.S. I met a lot of friends there like, oh, what's your major? Oh, I'm still undecided. I haven't figured that out yet. And to me and to a lot of other expat kids, we were like, wait, what? What do you mean you're undecided? I mean, we had to figure out our entire life path, you know? <laughs> you can be undecided? What is that? <laughs> That's Rhythm Abrar. 
Though she longed to stray from the business path, she knew that staying the course was her best bet at finding stable work in the U.S. after graduation. I actually started out in marketing, but then pretty soon, I would say within two to three and a half years or so, I just couldn't see myself doing this forever and ever. To me, the answer at that time was not, oh, I'm changing my whole career path. The answer was, can I switch internally or what's the next best job or company I can switch to because I was uh, on an H-1B visa. So I had to make sure that whatever I do, the company can sponsor me. Well, I started off in banking and finance, and then I moved to marketing analytics, but then I switched. I was at Sephora for a while. That was another very exciting place to be, thinking that, oh, maybe if the product is different, it would make it more exciting for me, which it did in the beginning, you know, because you're surrounded by makeup and beauty and all of the product launches and the freebies and things like that. (laughs) But pretty soon that started to die out. It was at that point where I was trying to figure out, okay, this is clearly not working. I'm stuck in the space of mine. I'm moving companies and different types of environments. But at the end of the day, I'm still not happy. After getting married, Rhythman no longer had to worry about her visa. And for the first time since arriving in the U.S., she started paying attention to her passions. She moved into a new home, took some time off, and her interest in interiors was suddenly apparent. While she was learning the ropes with a local designer, a game-changing feature on apartment therapy pushed her into the spotlight. They said, oh, we'd like to feature your space. You know, we'd like to do it as a home tour. All the excitement. I submitted everything, you know, wrote down the story behind it and all of that. And then they're like, oh, it's going to be released on so-and-so date. I don't think I slept the whole night before. (laughs) I was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. What if people hate it? What if people think it's nothing special? It, It was the first time I put myself out there and my name was on the Internet. And then apartment therapy said, oh, we'll be doing an Instagram post as well. I had my profile set up at the time. I had like... I want 500 people maybe following me. And so apartment therapy happens. And then overnight, the followers grew from like 500 to like 1500. And I just gasped. Then it was just the sheer like, congratulations. Wow, this is beautiful. I love this element. I love that element. This wallpaper here looks amazing. All of the feedback that started to come in. It was so, so humbling and exciting at the same time. I just, I, I remember I was glued to the phone the whole day. I wanted to talk to Rithma about the visa issues that kept her from pursuing her passion for years and how she embraced storytelling as a core element of her design once she was finally able to chase her dreams. For so long, getting a visa was really what determined which opportunities you were able to chase. Mm -hmm. When you were in the middle of it, did it feel like there was an end in sight? Yes. There are several paths for it. I mean, there are a couple, but uh, one is, you know, depending on the company you're with, you do the H-1B for a set number of years, and then you have to, then you apply for the next level, which is a green card, which then, then you apply for uh, your citizenship. But that still is company driven, right? Yes, that is, I was about to say that it's very company driven, and you have to know that it could take a very long time, and you have to love mm-hmm. your job and the company you want to be with, especially if the company is sponsoring you for it. Is there a path or like to not have your job dictate your visa status? Uh, that was the struggle. Okay. <laughs> that was the struggle because every time I thought that, okay, this is the company I want to be in, but then the, the thought of, okay, I have to see how this is going to work out because once you're in the system and once you start the process – you don't want to back out because right. you're in a line, in a queue, and it could put you light years behind if you decide to pivot a little bit. So you have to really be 
you know, 100% in it for it to know that, okay, this is the company, this is where I have to be. Yes, you, you start the path of H-1B to green card and you start the process, but it also depends. What also depends how long you're going to wait is your original country of citizenship. So I'm an Indian passport holder. So the the queues and the wait period for Indian passport holders is way longer, way, way, okay. way longer than they are for, say, uh, an Australian citizen or, say, for somebody from Europe. I'm so frustrated for you as you're telling this story. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's fascinating. No, but it is sort of, um, there's this external reason why you can't chase the thing you're passionate about. Yes. Exactly. That was the bottom line of it, where, you know, you have all of these goals and desires and you want to do so many things that are not down the traditional path. And it's hard to switch. And again, at that time, I did not know it was interior design. But even when I thought of moving into anything more creative, you know, I I was in the Bay Area. So I'm like, oh, you know, there are startups. There are so many amazing ideas around here. People looking to hire constantly. But it just came down to, you know, this one, one factor. Right. And in the startup world, the stability is probably not there to make oh, that. Oh, they cannot. No, they cannot do it. Yeah. 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 So that was never an option for me um, yeah. in, in, you know, at the time. And so unless the company was fully funded and all of that stuff, or the only other option was for me to do two jobs where I'm doing this in the nighttime, you know, doing oh. <laughs> pursuing something passionate, yeah. separate, and then doing my corporate job in the daytime, which was also a thought I considered. But, you know, the one way is to get, you know, get it through your company. And the, another way is, you know, if uh, through marriage. And uh, that was never the the intent or the thought or such. But I was also uh, in a relationship and uh, one thing led to the next. And it just came to a place where we're trying to figure out what, you know, what am I doing? And, you know, with, again, coming from an Indian background and family, they're like, okay, the clock is ticking. We want to (laughs) see, (laughs) you know, we want you to, we want to see you happy and settled. And so in a whirlwind way of things, you know, he proposed and we uh, decided to, you know, get married and he's from here. He's born and raised in the U.S. And so that in, in many ways opened the path for me where I didn't have to worry about a lot of these things. And once that happened, it still took me a bit, probably a good year or two to figure out, okay, what do I want to do? You know, do I want to leave my hi-fi corporate job and this, you know, amazing salary that I have? It, it just, it's amazing the, the way the opportunities just switch for you overnight in a situation like that. Yeah. We were in the Bay Area at the time. Um, you know, the real estate properties and the values were just like through the roof, which they still are. And so we made this conscious decision to move uh, further south. So we moved to L.A. And so that led to this birth of this design bug is where I would say, because it was my own home, my first home. And I was like, we are no longer doing any of this old stuff that we have from apartment to apartment, rental to rental, Ikea and combination of all these various things. We're going to move to this place and I'm going to it's a brand new start. So you get to L.A., How much did you know what you wanted to do and how much did you discover it along the way? I would say a big part of it was discovering along the way. The planning process was literally just picking up, moving, you know, I mean, finding a place and moving. Outside of that, it was just, we're going to see how things go. We still, both of us still had our corporate jobs at the time uh, when I moved here. Uh, So I was still in, in, you know, I was back in the banking world at the time, uh, but still, yeah, still holding my corporate job. 
But then we, you know, when we found this, when we found our home, for me, it became a process where if work was stressful and things were just not going the way I wanted there, I would spend hours, evening, nighttime coming up with my concepts and my ideas. I didn't even know I was making a mood board, but I was making a mood board, you know, like I didn't know I was doing certain things, but I was just doing it because of the excitement and thrill of, I want my place to look a certain way, to feel a certain way. And this is where a lot of it went back to my childhood because back in you know, I've grown up with all of this very lush environment, very opulent architecture interiors, whether it's a doctor's office, whether it's, um, you know, the mall. Um, And again, growing up there, you know, as an expat, all of us have our own stories. And in everybody's own story, in their own homes, there is some way, in some shape or form, it's represented, you know, in the design, whether it's a particular photo frame, whether it's a particular vase, whether it's some carpet, some tapestry, something or the other, which has come traveled long distances to be there in that space in their home because they're like, oh, we are so far away from home. This is our piece. You know, this is what represents us. This is who we are. Everybody used their interiors to tell their stories. Yeah. And that is what I wanted to bring into my place over here is literally going back to my childhood, going back to my home and saying, I want my home to tell a story uh, from the moment somebody walks in and not just color palettes and and things like that, but like a true soulful story from the back end of, you know, wait, where is this from? And wait, you're from Kuwait and where is this from? But this, this you know, this dining table is from India. It's a door from India or it's um, and then something even along the way is from here. You know, oh, when I grew up in Buffalo, I saw this. So just a whole storytelling process, but doing it in a way that was very elevated and and really sort of, you know, uh, sparked interest. And in, in the process of that, it turned into this whole thing that that was that I was getting very excited about. That was very thrilling. That was, you know, I would suddenly wake up in the middle of the night thinking, wait, you know, what if I do this? Or, you know, <laughs> let me search for, let me make a note and search for a credenza that has this or any, you know, any, any fun little thing that would come to my mind, I would sort of, you know, put time and energy into it. And in, during that process, it was when my husband, some friends and families, especially after the place was done, was like, Rhythma, there's something here. Why don't you pursue this path? Have you thought of it? I had friends and family started to, you know, ask me questions and reach out to me that, hey, you know, can you help us with this? Or can you, you know, we're looking for some some inspiration here. And so slowly but surely things sort of started that way. But I still wasn't 100% convinced that I'm going to quit my job and and do this. <laughs> yeah. What tipped the scale for you? Or what made you realize this should be your business and your life's work? An- another personal journey, <laughs> personal mm-hmm. story. We were trying to get pregnant and we finally did. And I was pregnant. Um so, Sort of a traumatic experience at the end where, you know, um, I was admitted to the hospital at seven months or so. And my daughter was born eight weeks early. And so she was preemie. Uh, we had a long hospital stay, both me and her. So after that, after everything, and she's doing great, by the way, she's healthy and thriving right now. But uh, that whole incident, uh, the whole, you know, the piece over there, that basically pushed me to just take time off of everything. I quit my job, you know, to care for her and yeah. to be at home. So the, the in- intent was that I'm going to be at home for a year or so, make sure, you know, everything is great with her, great with myself and come to a place where 
you know, then I'll figure out what I'm going to do. You know, uh, it, it was during that time period, my downtime period, where finally my daughter was at a good place. Um, I was doing all of the stay-at-home mom activities, you know, taking her out and about, spending very, very quality, high quality time with her. But in the process, you know, you start, it's always on the back of your mind. You're a working woman, right? And you're like, what am I, what, what am I doing next? You know, what do I, how do I figure this out now? You know, I, I now at this point, I truly have the freedom. I have a blank slate here. What do I want to do? Yeah. You know, I was aware that, um, you know, I have a couple of universities and schools around me over here and they all offered interior design programs. And so I thought, you know, while I'm at home, why not take a few of these classes, uh, like the summer sessions and things like that? And so I did my foundational stuff. And then it was actually through one of my mommy groups where I met this other designer in LA and we started talking and I told her I expressed my interest to her and I was like, I really want to pursue this path. I have no idea where to begin or what to even do. And so in conversation, basically, she was very gracious to be like, you know what, why don't you come in and assist me on a couple of projects? Despite me not having all the skill sets, um, all of this other you know, people management skills that I had, she's like, I could, I could definitely use a lot of that, you know? And so I started working for her. That was my first time I went to the PDC and looking at vendors and just figuring things out as I went and, you know, going to her, going with her to job sites and understanding how a lot of these things were done. So that was more of the hands-on experience that I got. And then during that time, I also worked, uh, I was also approached to actually join an art gallery here locally. And so I started working for this art gallery who does corporate projects within the hospitality industry. On their end, they actually work very closely with bigger interior design firms uh, in providing a specific, in, in mainly in providing art and very specific installations. So that was when I also got the commercial side of things where I was exposed to seeing how large, large scale commercial projects work, even though it was just from an art perspective, but still I was having a lot of face-to-face time with, with these guys and their needs, requirements, you know, what was their thought process behind the, the, the choice of the interiors and then how we had to come up with really cool concepts for art to sort of enhance the space. So between the two, I didn't even realize it, but I was—I basically had a full-time job right. between the two. It was fun. It was exciting. I finally felt like I was in a place where I was excited to get up and, you know, go and do this work. And it didn't matter how many hours I was doing this in a day, you know. After working for all of these folks for a year, year and a half, I finally decided, okay, I'm ready to do my own thing and, you know, set up shop. It was March of 2020 and the pandemic hit a month later and I was like, great, here we are. Yeah. (laughs) That was when I, I, you know, I launched my website and uh, I had photographed my space because again, because of working with the local designer here in LA and a couple of, you know, just conversation with everybody, it was like, okay, you know, you use your own home as your platform to begin with. And so I had some good advice. And so I photographed my space, put it up and uh, I was actually that first project of mine, I was able to publish uh, with apartment therapy. And so that sort of really launched me in a way where I immediately started to get some inquiries. Um, you know, one thing led to the next and I started to get certain, I started to get small projects here locally. Supporting the interior design trade is a core value for Curry and Company. To know them is to love them. They're easy to work with, constantly innovating in product design, there when you need them, and fun to do business with too. 
Curry's High Point showroom experience is legendary, and with market coming up in October, they are prepping their hospitality and warm Southern welcome to complement another jaw-dropping product presentation. Don't miss out. Visit Curry & Company this fall during High Point Market, or learn more at curryandcompany.com. What was the response kind of specifically to that apartment therapy piece? It was huge. It was uh, it was very overwhelming. I was so nervous. You have no idea how <laughs> nervous I was when, uh, you know, they said, oh, we'd like to feature your space. You know, we'd like to do it as a home tour. All the excitement. I submitted everything, you know, wrote down the story behind it and all of that. And then they're like, oh, it's going to be released on, ex- on so-and-so date. I don't think I slept the whole night before. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what if people hate it? What if people think it's, you know, it's nothing special? It's like whatever, you know, all of the the negative um, doubts, self-doubt. Yeah, that, you know, it was the first time I, I put myself out there and then apartment therapy said, oh, we'll be doing an Instagram post as well. And then overnight, like the followers grew from like 500 to like 1500 or some odd number like that. And I just gasped. And uh, and then it was just the sheer like congratulations! Wow, this is beautiful. I love this element. I love that element. This wallpaper here looks amazing. All of the feedback that started to come in, it was it was so so humbling and exciting at the same time. I just I, I remember I was glued to the phone the whole day, you know. <laughs> now the, the funny story about that also is that a friend of mine when I was in the Bay Area, we, you know, we lived in the same city and she was a good friend of mine. She had moved, she got married, she moved to India. I hadn't seen her in like, I don't know, five or six years. She messages me on Instagram saying, hey, is this you? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, I follow apartment therapy and I see this and I see your name. I'm like, wait, what just happened? (laughs) And it's amazing. And I, you know, and she forwarded it to her friends there. So at that point I realized, oh my God, this is global. (laughs) Yeah. It was very, very exciting. For those jobs that you got from that, what really launched your business then? Initially, there were uh, simple decorating jobs, right? Small-scale decorating jobs. I did an office in Santa Monica. I did a couple of decorating jobs, right, locally based here in LA. But because of the pandemic, a lot of that switched to virtual, virtual design. And that was another huge thing. Within the first month of me launching my business, it was like a pivot. You know, how do I put yeah. it? Because the goals and the desires, the dreams that I had of, you know, getting into these large scale projects, construction, this, that, I'm like, okay, this is all on hold right now. But again, with the support of some close uh, friends at the time, you know, again, and, and this is the whole concept. And this is basically what everybody ex- experienced in the design world was we're stuck at home. We're nothing better to do. We've been thinking about doing this. Uh, is it possible? You know, are you able to help us with some of the design work? Now, whether we can purchase things right now or do things right now is a different story, but at least we would love to get some designing done or we would like to get your help on getting this done in a certain way a certain aesthetic and style so you know you just roll with the punches and you're like all right I said yes to every opportunity that came my way big or small virtual local anything that came my way it was like yes I'm, I'm doing this and that sort of got me the momentum in those early jobs you know people are asking you for help whether it's purchasing or not what informed the structure and the backbone of your business? So in my initial days, every single project I did, I charged differently because I was trying to figure out what works for me. The very yeah. first project I did was the office and that was 
based on purely based on advice and research that I had done, oh, designers charge hourly. I decided, okay, I'm going to do this hourly. Halfway through the process, I realized I hated hourly. You know, you just know what your strengths and your weaknesses are. And my weakness was I was I just was not good at keeping a track of my time, keeping a track of my hours. And especially as a newbie, you know, you're just like, at what point do you stop? Right. Yeah. And so I was told, well, you know, you sort of just guesstimate and you figure out, you know, what what you think is right, which was not useful advice at all. But (laughs) (laughs) so for me, I realized I have this artistic you know, way of thinking or more of that artist approach where inspiration strikes anywhere, anytime, doing anything. And there's no way for me to put a hard number on, you know, calculating those minutes and seconds down to like, this is where, this is the amount of time I spend on doing this. Yeah. But that first project taught me a lot, but that relationship did not, you know, end well. <laughs> okay. It was uh, a huge learning experience uh, where, you know, I was doing the hours, I was doing it on a, providing the invoices on a monthly basis. Um, It came down to the whole thing of, you know, defending and justifying every single line item and every single minute that I spent. Uh, But after that project, in a way, I actually took a step, I took a step back for a little bit because it it hurt my confidence. It impacted me in in, in a different way, questioned like that, you know, especially when, you know, your integrity and all of those things have been questioned. You're just like, wait, wait, what? But I knew one thing. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I knew one thing that I'm not charging by the hour. It's going to be a flat fee. And if I lose money in the beginning, that is fine, but I don't want to have the stress and the anxiety around this uh, yeah. to justify myself and to explain myself. And so that was the one time I did the hourly and I've, since then I've never turned back. How did you talk about that with new clients and how did you figure out what was right for you and for the business? In a lot of the situations I was, instead of me explaining why I do flat fee, I was actually asked, hey, do you charge hourly or do you do flat fee? Which was very interesting because I was thinking that I have to prepare myself to present, you know, this is why I do the the way things I do. But it's sort of, in a way, I, I had to skip that whole process because they were like, okay, we just want to know, do you charge hourly or is it a flat fee? And I just said, it's a flat fee. And they're like, oh, perfect, you know. And so that, that sort of helped with, with having that conversation. The few moments where I have had to explain myself, it's been pretty easy where I, I myself just present myself in a way saying that, look... I'm, I'm a creative. I could be working on four projects at once. So for me, the, it's like a full day that I'm working and I'm doing several things in a day. And rather than keeping a track of every single thing that I'm doing for every single project and spending extra amount of time just doing that, I'd rather spend that time working and being more creative. And so just going down the path of flat fee is much more relaxed for both the client and me, where everything is clear and transparent from day one. What does your business look like today? Is it still just you or do you, who are you working with kind of behind the scenes? It's, I would say, full-time me, uh, but there are a few freelancers that I'm working with. The goal and the dream is to have my own team uh, in yeah. a few years, hopefully. But right now, I have been able to cultivate some really good relationships with some freelancers that I found in my early days that I'm still working with. So um, if things go well, I would love to bring them on full-time. But for now, it's um, freelancers. And again, you know, coming from 
a corporate environment, you know, you just learn. It's, I think it's ingrained in you where you're like, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Yeah. How do you how do you emphasize and focus more on your strengths? And how do you find a good solution for your weaknesses, uh, which 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 leads to delegating? And so I have not had any trouble delegating tasks uh, <laughs> when it comes to that. You know, especially when you have the confidence that you know that the team you're working with is good for what they are. What did you get rid of? What were some of the things that you immediately were like, oh, I don't need to be the one that does this? With the classes that I took, I learned how to read floor plans. I learned how to read CAD and things like that, for instance. But when I decided, when I tried to do my own floor plan, it took me four hours to do just like one room. So yeah, <laughs> like literally just do a box. And I'm like, no, this is not, it's just not a good use of my time. And so a lot of the technical aspects when it comes to the detailed floor plans and drawings, I have outsourced. You know, I work with somebody. But again, the vision is mine. The direction is mine. I'm very specific about these things. I'm able to spot and see errors and mistakes. It's just I don't do the physical act of drawing. Like in the computer. Yeah. Yes, and in, in the computer. It's, uh, it's it's amazing, by the way, in the industry. I spoke to so many designers where I'm like, hey, you know, who, who does your accounting? And I'm talking about, you know, small to medium to big, a lot of them were like, oh, you know, I do the accounting myself. I was pretty surprised by that. When here you are with a banking background being like, no, I don't know. No, do I'm that. not going to do that because it's money. And if I, I mean, you know, the, 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 the small stuff is fine, but once your projects get bigger and, 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 you know, again, trying to figure out, you know, markup or no markup or taxes and paying no taxes and things like that. I'm like, I yeah, I need a pro for this. I'm not doing this myself because I don't want to be stuck with some bill at the year end, you know, saying that, oh, you owe this much back in taxes. So I wanted to make sure that, again, the foundationally I was good and I was, you know, I, I brought the right people to help me set myself up, even though it was the smallest possible project. Uh, and I must have paid a good amount of money to the accountant, but I felt like at least it was in good hands and there were no errors and no mistakes happening. And then when I started my construction project, I got somebody to help me with the actual procurement of things. So sourcing and procurement, especially, again, during the pandemic, when we decided on this tile and this, you know, uh, plumbing fixtures, everything is out of stock. Nothing is going to be available for 12 months. Oh, we need quick alternatives. <laughs> so things like that was when I, I used some help. So it's been a bit a uh, combination of a bit, you know, some organic elements of what do I need right now? What do I need help with right now? Um, and honestly, listening to, you know, your podcasts and a couple of other folks oh. that I listen, you know, that I, I hear and, you know, have conversations with to understand, okay, what is the next best step? How much is aesthetic driving the people who are coming to you? You know, are they still seeing your home in apartment therapy and saying, I want this or I want my home to make me feel the way these pictures make me feel? Yes. Um, so this is the best way I can put it. And, and it, this actually came from a client when I asked them, hey, why did you approach me? Or, you know, why did you, have you seen my work? Uh, and, you know, what was the reason for you to reach out to me? And she put it beautifully saying that I, I saw your profile. I mean, I saw your work and I just noticed that there is some a specific aesthetic to you, but at the same time, all of your designs are very different from one another, which tells me that you work very closely with the client's comfort zone, but you add your own layer and your own styling comes into place, but it's not very obvious. And that you mold your designs to whatever the client's likes and dislikes are. It's very true where I ha there is a certain level of, uh, you know, design and style and approach that I bring to the process, but the designers aren't coming to me for a specific look that way. 
they're coming to me, you know, so that I can bring their story to life in their way that they're comfortable with, but I am here to push them a little bit and add my golden dust to it, you know, <laughs> and really elevate the space to the way they want it to look like uh, and feel like rather. I think the feeling is, is very, very, very important. Explore home at High Point Market this fall with Universal. You won't want to miss the full line from Universal and Aaron V, which features high-style items for bedrooms, dining, and living rooms. And while you're visiting, be sure to check out Universal's Designer Lounge, which is packed with resources to make your market week more enjoyable, including a beauty bar and cocktails. Universal also invites you to discover the Learning Center, which features unique designer events every day to help you get the most out of your education and networking possibilities while at market. What is sort of the next big hurdle for you or what's the challenge you're staring down now? I don't think it's a challenge, but it's more me where it's like... I'm getting impatient. I'm in that point where I'm with every project, basically, I want to level it up. I want to take it yeah. to the next level. You know, I want something to get excite me even more and more and, you know, give me different types of challenges. And so sometimes, you know, when you're, you're in that space, uh, it can get a bit, you know, you can get a bit dejected, you know, here and there to be like, why is, why am I not getting these types of projects? Or, you know, how do I, how do I find my way to those? Or how do I get in front of these types of folks who can hire me for these types of projects? So I think right now I'm in the, I'm in a space where I'm trying to find my path that way so that I can uh, really attract and get the right types of clients and projects that uh, keep me going. What do you have to change to do that? Or how do you how do you get in front of the right people? And who who are your people? How have you kind of started to target who your people are? Well, when I figure that out, I will let you know. (laughs) I mean, that's hard. That is hard. The figuring out is the first part of of your question was, you know, how do you come in front of these people, right? That that is the question. Here's the thing, right? In all of my (laughs) questions and answers and everything, speaking to the industry veterans, I kid you not, there is no one way. There is no one set formula. Every designer I've spoken to in terms of, say, how they got their dream projects or their clients or whatever it is, it has been different. For some, it was press. For some majority, it's referrals. For others, it is uh, being at the right place at the right time. Like that, Nothing is quantifiable is what I'm saying. Yeah. And there's no there's no set formula. So it's, you kind of just have to figure out. And this is, I wish I knew this when I started, you know, that, okay, you have to really uh, figure out your path and your way. And for instance, I was told you've got to be in the places where you think your clients are going to be, right? So mm-hmm. whether they're at art gallery openings or galas or, you know, movie show premieres, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, and so, but, but then that to me, I'm like, okay, I only have so many hours in a day. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, so then you have to sort of, you know, reassess your day, pull yourself back and then really be grateful and focus on the work you're doing and, you know, putting all your positive energy into that. And then, you know, the next project comes along and I have been fortunate where in some shape or form, the next project comes along and it, it gives me the excitement and the thrill that I want to do, you know? So it's just, when it, it's just when it doesn't happen your way or the way you think it would happen <laughs> is when you think, oh, this is the challenge in my life right now, but actually it's not. <laughs> Thank you for saying that out loud. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I also think there's another nothing more frustrating than being told like, oh, it's just being in the right place at the right time, right? Because you can't oh. control that. And the control freaks out there, myself included, mm-hmm. 
so I can't orchestrate that? Well, yeah. Then what? <laughs> then what? Then what? How do I make this happen? How do I, mm-hmm. you know, and I've, I trust me, I have those days and moments, weeks where I'm just like, what can I do? And how do I do this? Right. Because like waiting for serendipity can't be the answer. That right? cannot be the answer. That cannot, <laughs> that just cannot be the answer. And so, and it isn't. And that, that's what I have learned in, in, you know, in tough times as well. Um, I mean, you know, in, in my past, again, with, with some of the stories I shared with you earlier, I have been in situations, right, where things were completely out of control. Both my, I have a second one. She arrived this, uh, you know, my second baby, she arrived uh, in February of this year. Congratulations. And thank you. Thank you. But she too had her own plans. Uh, my first one, <laughs> My first daughter was eight weeks early. My second one was six weeks early. Those are the life learning experiences that I've had where you just have to surrender. You just have to let go and just focus on the present, you know. And then you realize, okay, you know, I have no control of the past. I absolutely have no control of the future. (laughs) I need to be present in this moment and just focus on what's happening to me right now. Be grateful for where I am right now and just focus on this moment and things will fall into place the way they have to or the way they're meant to be rather. And so these personal experiences of mine are things that have really helped me ground in a way. And then just that control freak side of you is like, all right, you just need to let go, surrender, and just let things come to you as they are meant to be. <laughs> it's very hard, trust me. But when you're in a situation like that, you and you just don't have a choice sometimes, that's the only way to find some sanity. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, there's no way to, you know, you can drive yourself crazy. I wanted to ask you about the Kaleidoscope Project. Yes. What changed for you? by saying yes and participating in that show house. So prior to the Kaleidoscope project was when, you know, I was, I had a couple of my local projects that I was working on and with its mission and its goal of, you know, what it was trying to accomplish, that itself was something that I never thought I would be a part of something like this, you know, and, and for a minute to sort of think that way, right? This is no client here. You're not getting paid for your work here. You're not, you're not having to please a client here. You haven't, there's so many things that are different in a a situation like this. And to purely think from, you know, okay, this is my time to just do my part and, and, you know, give my time to this beautiful mission and uh, do the best I can, you know? So it sort of made me think uh, of a project in a very different way. And Doing it, being one of the two designers who was out of the whole lot, there were two of us who were from uh, the West Coast. Everybody was on the East Coast. And again, to design this project in the thick of the pandemic. On the opposite side of the country. On the opposite side of the country where I could not do any site visits or anything whatsoever. The room was fully designed remotely. And this was a construction related project. And I we literally went off of, you know, the, the pictures that we had and very basic floor plans that were given to us. Uh, but to design something remotely through the pandemic, working with vendors that I had never worked with before, it was like, you know, again, going, I, I keep going back to the corporate examples, but, you know, in, in certain corporate companies in the very beginning, you have these things called executive programs, you know, where you're hired for the first year and you get to like bounce around every different division of the company. And then at the end, you are, you know, given this this job in one particular division. But it's a very all-rounding experience. Yeah. This project to me was an all-rounding experience like that because, you know, I learned how to deal with challenges 
my communication skills came very handy <laughs> in this situation. And just, again, keeping the eye on the ball, you know, of like, we're doing this for a beautiful cause and I just want the room to be me and focusing on that. And it changed. It changed my approach towards design. And, you know, it sort of enhanced my approach to design and the best outcome that came out of it, besides, um, you know, the press and the media and the recognition, was the network and the community that I found in this whole process. Because prior to the Kaleidoscope project, I knew a few designers here locally, a few handful, you know, two or three, not even. Yeah. But this project led me to a whole group of designers who were a part of this project that once I was there, when we met everybody, it felt like we knew each other for such a long time. The guidance, the, the warmth, just the way it, I was received from every, you know, by everybody was so amazing that I finally felt like I belonged. You know, and that was a big thing for me for from coming out of that. And I'm till date, I am very close friends with a lot of them. And now I pick up the phone and call a lot of the designers for advice, you know, a project advice, career advice, client advice. Yeah. <laughs> um, that I have found them that we're all at a place where I can literally just text them in the middle of the night and I get a response saying, you know, do this or don't do this or, you know, learn from my experience or my mistake, you know, which is something I was craving in the beginning. And this has really given me that. Are you looking forward to being in the space where you've just got a ton of knowledge to give away? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> it, it's like a gift that keeps giving. We've done several panels after that. We've been to, you know, several interviews and things. And so a lot of young designers have, you know, been in the audience. So they've heard me speak or my story or anything. And I've had people approach me. And here I am. I'm like, I am just as new as you are. <laughs> but I'm more than happy to share, you know, my experiences. Like, and here's what I have. Yeah. Here's what I have. Here's what I did. This is what worked for me. This is what did not work for me. Um, and and anything else outside of that, you know, uh, in, in my case, I've had a lot of people come in and ask me that, hey, you know, how did you make that decision of quitting corporate and moving, you know, following your path? Right. And so it's not an easy one. And I'm going to be very honest. It's absolutely not easy to do that. But a little bit of, you know, there's a part of it that's confidence and a part of it is just faith that, you know, you're going to figure it out. And there's no way out of here. <laughs> you know, once you want to, once you decide to follow your passion and you're excited about it, you figure it out and things and operate. And once you're in that, in that frame of mind where you're like, this is it and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it work. Opportunities come. They happen. I wanted to ask you about sense of place and about creating homes for your client. What does home mean to you? And how do you think about that as you're building these spaces for the people you work with? Home to me is, it represents you. To me, it's their story. And and by story, I mean, again, it may sound cliched, but it's it's so true that when I walk into a space or when I am just the feeling, the visually, the story that I'm getting from a, from a place, like my eyes go into places where it tells me so much about the person right then and there, whether it's their travels, whether it is their, some emotional story, some journey, some picture that tells me about their family, about their pets, about work. There is so much that you just can instantly learn about a person just by entering their private space, their home. And for me, that's a defining moment for the client as well. So when I'm doing a design, it's, yes, we're talking about 
their functionalities and what they're not happy about and all of that fun stuff that we want to resolve. But to make it into a home or into a space that is truly theirs, it goes way beyond that. It's way, it's much more of an intimate process to really get to know them and really get to know their likes and dislikes and make them feel like this is theirs. My goal is to create a space that is only done once and they have it. I, I don't repeat things because for me, it's, it's, I lose, you know, it's from an inspiration perspective, why would I do the same formula again and again? Yeah. The excitement is to do something unique, cool, creative, something that tells me about them, their background, their heritage, their life story in their space. And that is unique to every single person, just like your own fingerprints are, right? No two people have the same story, no matter what. There is, everything is different. And so um, to tell that story visually and aesthetically in a way gives me so much satisfaction. And that to me makes it home. This is incredible. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. Before you go, if you'd like to keep up with the latest design industry news or great podcasts, check out new products or browse job openings, head on over to businessofhome.com. If you have a note for the show or a story of your own to share, I'd love to hear from you. And you can email me at tradetales at businessofhome.com. Finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others discover the show. Trade Tales is produced by me, Caitlin Peterson, and Fred Nikolaus. This episode was edited by Caroline Burke and Michael Castaneda. Our theme music is by Kyle Scott Wilson. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you in two weeks.